Welcome to the Equipping You podcast, where our mission is to equip Alliance pastors and leaders to live spiritually healthy lives and lead healthy churches. Equipping You is a ministry of the Christian and Missionary Alliance. For more information on this podcast and other ministries of the Alliance, visit equippingyou.org. Hey, 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 welcome back to Equipping You podcast. We're coming to you today from uh, the suburbs of Columbus, Ohio, birthplace of Jesse Owens, a legend in track and field. Alan, probably a day or two before your lifetime. Day or two, that's it, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. but but right about, you know, you know, a contemporary of yours. Yeah, let's go with that. Let's go with that. I think he won the gold medals in 1932. Oh, yeah. That's I wasn't right. quite that's around right. yet no. then. But we're going to talk to a legend today, and that's why I bring hey, Jesse Owens nice to the forefront. I'm Terry, Church Ministries Leader for the Alliance. And I'm Alan, Director of Development for Eastern PA Alliance. And with us as well, Isaac Charles. And uh, Isaac is our producer, administrative specialist for church ministries, and really appreciate his help. He made sure we got lunch today. What more could we ask? <laughs> so our guest today, Alan, is, drum roll please, Dan Spader. Yeah. Woo! Of uh, Sun Life. There's the legend. Growing a healthy church. Yeah, a legend for sure. President of Global Youth Initiatives, although I think he's passing yeah, so, that yeah. baton. Concentric, though, too. So uh, talk to me about Dan Spader, uh, Alan. Well, for me, uh, Dan was, uh, you know, I didn't know who he was from Adam. At one point in time, I was beginning in youth ministry, and some very good person invited me to go to Sun Life training. Uh, and I, you know, I love students, I love teaching students, love hanging out with students, but I did not have a strategy for making disciples. Did not learn that in Bible college, to be honest. Uh, But man, it was so helpful for me to think strategically for the first time about making disciples, uh, you know, and watch that as it spread to not just youth groups, but growing a healthy church. I know the Alliance wasn't really involved in that in the past. And now uh, their ministry is, you know, as Dan hands it off. It's blossoming internationally. So that's very encouraging stuff. It is indeed encouraging. I think you're going to enjoy this conversation. So grab yourself a, eh, let's grab a fresca today. A fresca today. Okay. Then refreshing grapefruit soda. Yes. Diet grapefruit soda. Diet, but you know, grapefruit kind of gives you a little offset of the diet flavor. Yeah for that. I support that drink choice today. Thank you. Grab yourself a Fresca and sit back. Relax. Here we go. And we're pleased to welcome to Equipping You Podcast, our good friend, Dan Spader. Dan, thanks for joining us. My pleasure. And uh, so we like to give our listeners the opportunity to get to know our guests a bit. So uh, give us a brief timeline of your journey from growing up, coming to know Jesus, and kind of how the Lord's led you to where you are today. Sure. Well, I uh, grew up in a farm. 
I'm always say I'm a pig farmer from South Dakota, <laughs> a rural rural Midwest. Uh, a large farm and a large farm family. There are 16 kids in our family. Goodness, uh, I am number 15 of those 16 kids, and all my brothers and sisters' names begin with D. But that's another whole story in itself. <laughs> we always going to call the youngest kid Don, but we never did. So <laughs> I'm Dan, number 15 of those 16 kids. My third daughter, Christy, was grandchild number 70 for my wow. parents. Wow, holy! So God. it's a large farm family. I say we raise kids and pigs. So there you go. There you uh, go. That's wow. my root. Could you I always tell write. the difference? Yeah. <laughs> Some days that's debatable. <laughs> Came to Christ at engineering school, very radical conversion. My roommate accepted Christ two weeks earlier at the first crew retreat in South, uh, South Dakota. I saw changes life, came back after a keg party. I said, what's happened to you? His name was Dan also. And he said, you really want to know? And he pulled out a four spiritual outlaws out of his pocket and uh, shared it with me. Matter of fact, he'd just been trained how to do that. So he read it to me and he was shaking so bad, so nervous. <laughs> I had to hold the booklet because he was scared. <laughs> We've never talked about anything spiritual. And, and yet he was reading that to me and I'll never, never forget December 17th, 1970, about 9.53 PM. Wow. Uh, we got down on our knees came under deep conviction of sin, even though I had a Catholic background, there's, I never understood biblical repentance and trusting Christ for my salvation. And, yeah. and, uh, knelt down, accepted Christ, got up and never looked back. Um, Praise we started God. going up and down to fraternity house, reading that booklet to everybody. And before we know it, 10 of our fraternity brothers had accepted Christ. So we'd been Christians two weeks longer. So we led the Bible study. So <laughs> uh, that, that's how it got started. Went off to Bible school because I quickly learned that I knew nothing about the Bible. And uh, there I, my life was changed. And some of the people who know me know basically a prof in the Gospel of John made a statement because I was working part time as a youth pastor in a church of 100 uh, with six, eight kids. Uh, he said Christ's initial disciples could have been teenagers. Huh. And and I just that just rocked m my brain. Yep. I knew Jesus was his old guy about 30 and I was only 20. <laughs> and uh, I ran to the prophet and said, wow, Jesus was a youth pastor. He worked with some teenagers. And that's probably true. John was 16, 17, the rest of the late teens, early 20s. But I said, wow, what did Jesus do with his youth group? And, okay. and the prop was Thomas Gundry. He had just compiled the Gundry wow. Harmony of the Gospel. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, he said, well, yeah, I'll just study. What did Jesus do the first year? What did Jesus do the second year? What did he do third year? And do what Jesus did. That's how Jesus grew his youth ministry into a movement. And so I went and bought a Harmony. And, and we called our youth group Sunlight because we were just trying to figure out the son's life. I said, I'm just, I'm a brand new Christ follower. only been a Christian a year. I'm a youth pastor. Don't know what I'm doing. I'm just going to figure out what Jesus did and do what Jesus did. And uh, God blessed that. And it began to multiply. People began to come and say, how are you doing that? And I said, well, I'm just doing what Jesus did. What's that? So that began the whole journey of sunlight. Wow. Love it. And uh, now I now I work with and lead or co-lead. Now I just pass a baton, an international side of sunlight. And um, that's kind of continues to grow. We're about 130 countries globally. So wow. I just continue to, I always say, I don't know a lot. I just know the life of Christ and I know Jesus. So. Not a bad thing to know at all. Absolutely. You know, it, does, it works well. It does. 
So uh, we always like to ask our guests what leaders have influenced them. You certainly had your roommate influence you right away in the best way possible. Uh, and of course, you mentioned your prof who launched you on studying how Jesus made disciples. Who else has been influential along your journey? Uh, it's a great question. I, I always say that at least three leaders that I looked up to and respected. One was George Sweeting, the president of Moody Bible Institute. He oh. saw me as a Bible school student. And he heard that God had given me a vision for uh, training other youth workers. He called me in and was crazy enough to take a risk in this young leader and uh, really set our ministry of the good foundation. Um, so that was Sweeting. The other, the other guy was Josh McNall. Josh is a, was always a hero to me. And then one day I get a call from Josh asking if I'd come to this event that he was putting together and uh, an event to do an outreach with youth workers across the country. I thought it was kind of crazy and dumb, uh, but I went out of respect for Josh. And uh, long story short, in 1992, we teamed up with Josh and did this world's largest pizza party called it through new technology called the internet. <laughs> and we were able to have a million and a half kids involved. Wow. Um, so Josh had a huge impact in my life because I traveled with him for two years, championing this event. And then I'd say a third person that's impacted me is Bruce Wilkerson. Uh, Bruce yeah. was my mentor. We yeah. met every every few months when we could because he was leading Walk Through the Bible, and he was probably 10 steps ahead of me, and I was just launching this ministry called Sun Life, and he really mentored me into what it means to be a, a godly leader of a movement. So those are the big ones that had a key role in my life. Yeah, fantastic. That's great. Love to hear that. Some classic names there. So, Dan, a lot of people would uh, join Alan and I in saying thank you for your long road of faithfulness and helping youth ministries and whole churches be intentional about making disciples. So let's rewind the timeline uh, a, a decade or two or three and uh, tell us when did you start Sun Life and what led you to start it? As I get older, that's a, a few decades back. Um <laughs> Yeah, I just celebrated 50 years of walking with Jesus yeah. and wrote, a, wrote a, a, a little book, matter of fact, about 50 memories that God has given me. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it began for me I was a youth pastor in this small church, a Baptist church. We began to implement the life of Christ. We call it the son's life. Uh, God really multiplied that. People began to come saying, how are you doing that? I said, I don't know, just doing what Jesus did. Well, what's that? So we began to start a ministry called Sun Life Ministries, training youth pastors. God miraculously gave a vision for what that was going to become. And I say miraculously, I, I'm not one to see has burning bushes experience, but I did have a burning bush experience with the beginning of Sun Life. God clearly sovereignly painted a picture of 10,000 youth groups over 10 years and mm. uh, committed to disciple making. And we saw that fulfilled. About 10, 11 years later with that, see you at the party with 10,000 youth groups participating. But that was kind of the, the journey. We began then in 92, began to train pastors as we had four denoms come to us and said, would you teach our pastors how to make disciples? And I said, well, I, I've never been a senior pastor. I've been a church planner, but never a senior pastor. I don't know how to do that. All I know is Jesus was said, and they said, basically, you teach us the life of Christ, we'll figure out how to implement. So that began our church division. Then we started training women's ministry leaders and men's ministry 
95, we had about 10 of our guys go overseas. That started our international division, which I now lead. And so it's just kind of been a move. It, it, literally, I look back and and you, you got to understand, you got to know my heart here. This is not about me. I'm just a pig farmer from South Dakota. But mm-hmm. I have watched a movement of miracles. I have watched uh, God do exactly what he said he'd do. Go and make disciples of all nations. And now 130 countries. We're doing a gathering next year in Turkey with about 250 of our country leaders. Wow. Uh, and it just continues to multiply. Um so God's been good. God's that been is, very good. And it's amen. all to his glory. Amen. Absolutely. That's the way it's supposed to be. So thanks for that. You know, obviously the, uh, the DNA from the early days of Sun Life is still clearly in your current work. Uh, mm-hmm. But also, you know, with decades behind you, it's, you know, you've had to make some developments along the way that you, you know, you, you, as leaders, we get clearer and clearer visions, I think. Sure. So what's some things that have been clarified and developed along the way for you? Uh, great question. Um, I always say I don't know a lot. I just know the life of Christ. <laughs> I, I was last seven years, I was part time working while I was leading the international division with a mega church uh, in the Midwest. They had about 400 staff and they brought me in and I ask if I would train all of their staff in disciple making. We have about nine days of life of Christ training. And I would take them through it in small groups of 15, 20 at a time to coach and mentor. And kind of they want to move this mega attractional church more to disciple making. And in the course of doing that, God just really did some some wonderful things. But they said, we got to get this material out to 50, 60,000 people. We, we can't just learn it as a staff and not teach it. How do we package this material in such a way that we can multiply it to the average lay person? And those of you who know me, I've always resisted writing curriculum because I've, I've watched through the years a lot of organizations when they write a curriculum for disciple making. Uh, it quickly gets away from the philosophy of Jesus and disciple making, and people just start implementing the curriculum. And once they're done with the curriculum, say, now what's next? They never really learn the life of Christ. They just learn how to do a curriculum. But um, so I have always resisted that, really just wanting to teach the life of Christ and how he made disciples. But being at this mega church, we really sat down and says, what, what are the three non-negotiables? So I ended up writing a book called Four Chair Disciple Making and how Jesus made disciples, a disciple-making pathway. Then we wrote a walk like Jesus Bible study and a live like Jesus Bible study. And basically these three tools, we said, okay, here's some simple transferable ways to take lay people through the life of Christ with what an average lay person, not a pastor need, but what a lay person needs. So that probably has been the biggest adjustment the last 10 years. Just how, how did Jesus very practically, I always say there's two ways to exegete Jesus. You can study Jesus as a leader, how he created a movement, multiplying disciples. And that's what I taught, you know, growing healthy church strategy seminar for 25 years. But then in this work, we looked at Jesus, not as a leader creating a movement, but as a discipler making disciples who mm-hmm. could reproduce. Yep. So we just tried to exegete Jesus, how he did it 
in terms of making disciples who can reproduce. And that's what we put together in this Like Jesus material. Right. So that's probably what's new. There are a lot of other things, obviously. Mm -hmm. I, yeah. I, I always say I really tire of doing how-to seminars, mm -hmm. <laughs> but I never tire of, of teaching Jesus because yeah. Jesus is a very deep well. And so if you get asking me, what do you learn this year about Jesus? I could give you another four hours, but, but uh, every year, Jesus, I go deeper in Jesus. I never tire of Jesus because he's a deep, deep well. Mm, that he is the living water. Yep. yep. So uh, what are some common misunderstandings about making disciples that pastors and churches have? Hmm, great question. I'd probably come down to a couple things. First, I I would say that it's not as hard as we want to make it to be. It's much easier than we think. Now, just because I say it's easier doesn't mean it's not hard work, <laughs> mm -hmm. but, but we tend to overcomplicate the making of disciples. It's really my favorite term for disciple making New Testament is 1 Thessalonians 2.8, to impart it in your life, but, but it is a skill to impart your life. And uh, how do we train people to do that? I, I think the second mistake that's or misunderstanding it, that people make is that in a church, you can preach and teach and talk disciple making. And I'm really grateful that so many people are doing that now. When I was 25 years ago working with CMA, that was a radical thing, talk making disciples. Yep. Now more and more people are doing it. I, I still remember one of my greatest joys with the CMA. They said, Dan, you, you, you talk a lot about the Great Commission, but you got to talk about disciple making. I said, what do you mean? They're tied together. And so we, it, the CMA really helped us clarify some of our teaching on that because you cannot fulfill the Great Commission without being passionate about making disciples. It's not just church planning. It's making disciples and clustering those disciples together in church plans. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes we misunderstand that in our churches, you not only need the new wine of disciple making, but you need the wine skin structure that will produce the making of disciples. So both wine and wine skin are critical in a church disciple making system. Very helpful. Thank you. Mm, that's good stuff. I appreciate that. You know, I think I, along with a lot of other people are watching that uh, the chosen television series mm -hmm. and they make a big a deal out of three words that I hear you make a big deal out of, come and see. So uh, what makes that the starting point for Jesus' approach to making disciples? Well, you find in John 135, the very first thing he did after 40 days of prayer in the wilderness, mm -hmm. and I, my hunch, I've thought a lot about that wilderness experience of Jesus. I always like to say anybody's going to see a movement has to go through a wilderness experience first. Yeah. And so Jesus went through that mm. wilderness experience, stood on the word of God, doing the will of God, came out of that. And, and, and I believe those 40 year, 40 days in that wilderness, all the strategy that the father had for him came together uh, in his humanity and I believe during that time, he was really praying, Father, who do you want me to invest in? So then he comes out of that wilderness. What does he go down to the Jordan area where his cousin John is baptizing? And he walks up to him and says, baptize me. But 
what happens right follow that two people come to him that John points to and says, look, this Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, they begin to follow Jesus. And they come and Andrew and John say, where are you staying? And Jesus turns and says, and I love how the Jesus film does this. They said, come and see, come and see. And so the beginning steps is always to come and see. It's Jesus is calling seekers in this situation. Uh, come and see. And Jesus, I could just see a grin on his face because he'd been praying for 40 days. Who do you want me to invest in, Father, to birth this movement? And then John and Andrew come to him and says, where are you staying? And Jesus grins and says, come and you will see. <laughs> I love that. You know, one of the things that you struck me right at the beginning of your answer to that question was anybody that wants to see a movement has to go through the wilderness first. Can you unpack that? Why that's a conviction for you? Well, I am very passionate about the conviction that Jesus was not only fully God, which we could spend time talking about, which most people believe, but he was fully human. Mm -hmm. And if you understand theology here, uh, you cannot be fully human without veiling your deity so that your humanity could be expressed. That's the theologically correct way to say it. So what Jesus went through in his humanity is exactly what you and I can and probably will go through. Forty times Jesus said, do what I've done. Walk as I walk. Follow the pattern I gave you. It is no accident to me that Jesus launched this movement of multiplying disciples through 40 days of fasting and prayer, being driven by the Spirit in the wilderness and coming out of the wilderness full of the Holy Spirit. And I, I just see that pattern Jesus modeled is what every movement maker needs to expect is going to happen in this realm. So it's not just a good idea to me. It's real deep conviction. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then you study through Jesus, you find 45 times he slipped away to pray. The busier Jesus became, the more he prayed, not the less he prayed. Now, why? Because in his humanity, he didn't always know the next step to take in building this movement, but he knew where to get that next step. And he, that's why he spent a whole night in prayer before he chose the 12. That's why he would often slip away to places to pray. Prayer for Jesus was not just a strategy. It was a way of life. Yeah, love it. Love it. And, and anybody who wants to see a movement has to live that way. Um, yeah. Yeah. Appreciate that so, very much. Thanks for unpacking that. So, Dan, you refer to a disciple-making process you've laid out as four chair discipling why four chairs and what are the four chairs of discipling uh great question let me just give you a little bit of backdrop here how this happened i was training the elders godly godly men at this mega church um love the lord all successful businessmen elders of this again very large mega church and I was teaching them on the life of Christ. And I could tell in the course of that weekend, they just weren't getting what I was saying or the implications of what I was saying, that to move a church toward disciple making takes often some radical steps that have to be made and radical commitment. This was an attractional church, not a really an equipping church. And so they weren't asking the right questions. And I really, I remember going away at break on the second to last day, just saying, God, I need help. 
they're, they're not, I could tell they're not getting, they're not asking the right questions. And our guy, our continent leader from South America just been with me that weekend. And he had been teaching the four chairs is what he called it. And he said, the four chairs represent the disciple making pathway of Jesus. And, and I listened to him and I thought, oh, that's good. Chair one is a seeker. Chair two is the new believer. Chair three is the worker. Chair four is the disciple maker. And, and uh, it was good. And I, it didn't register. And then all of a sudden, I realized with that elders I was working with, the four chairs flashed through my mind. So I decided to use the four chairs. And I set them out. And I said, chair one, come and see. It's for the seeker. Chair two, follow me. It's a different word. It means to line up behind, walk in my steps. Uh, that's the new believer. Follow me, I'll make you a fisherman. The third challenge of Jesus, 18 months into it, chair three, the worker. I'll teach you how to reproduce. And then chair four, John 15, 16, go now and bear the much fruit. Do just my father sent me, I'm sending you. And I laid out those four chairs based upon the four challenges of how Jesus made reproducing disciples. The four challenges right chronologically from the life of Christ. And it, and it was it was amazing, uh, Terry and, and Alan, what happened. Immediately, the elders said, wow, oh, my goodness, we're chair one and chair two church. We're great at attractional and great at getting people saved in the Bible studies, but we don't know how to do chair three or chair four. They, they, they begin to ask all the right questions. What are barriers between chairs? Why do people get stuck in chair two and never move to chair three? And, and what does it take to get more people to chair four where they can birth their own movements? And immediately, like the metaphor, one metaphor change just opened up a whole new understanding for these businessmen. And everybody within a few months began in a church was talking about the four chairs. And so I said, man, I got to put this in a book before somebody else steals it. So I wrote the book. No, just kidding. But it, it, it just, it was a one simple metaphor on the disciple making pathway modeled in the four challenges of Jesus. Come and see, follow me, follow me. I'll teach you to reproduce, go and bear fruit. Each challenge was to a different group. Each challenge was deeper. Each challenge led to the next chair. Mm, great. That's good. So if I think all of us uh, would have people, probably the typical person in our churches that would say, I don't think I can contribute to making disciples because I'm not gifted that, that way. W what would you say to that person? Wrong. <laughs> um, because God wired us all of this different. And again, I already mentioned my favorite phrase for discipling is out of 1 Thessalonians 2 8. Paul says, A soldier, a farmer, a worker, I imparted my life to you. We are all imparting our lives to people. We're discipling to be a disciple of Christ or discipling to be a disciple of the world. We're all imparting our life. So the question is, are we intending? intentionally pouring our lives into people, understanding which chair they're in. Because you disciple a come and see person, chair one, different than you disciple a chair three, a worker. But where we're taking our life and saying, you know, I can do this. And I'm, I'm, I'm really passionate. The third study I wrote for this church and for lay people is a recent study I've done in John 17. 
in John 17, at the end of his life, Jesus, I'd never seen this before. I've led about 50 tours to Israel. And the last time I was over there a couple of times ago, I, I was in the garden of seminary studying through John 17. And I noticed something I never noticed before that Jesus in John 17 made seven I statements. And he literally tells us in John 17, as he prays to his father, how he made disciples, the men that were around him. He said, I protected them. I prayed for them. I gave them the words you gave me. I gave my glory to them. I, and he, he gives us seven I statements. So in that third study I wrote called Living Like Jesus, I've just taken those seven I statements and say, discipling is really very simple. You do three things. You pray like Jesus prayed. You care like Jesus cared. And there are three I statements showed how he cared. I protected them. I gave them the words you gave me. And then you share. And he says he shared the ministry with them. He shared the, the teaching that Father had given him. So all of us can pray, care, share. All of us can impart our life. All of us can do what Jesus did. And you don't have to be a Bible. Matter of fact, the, I think the worst, some of the worst disciples are people who have been to Bible school and seminary. Like <laughs> Howard Hendricks says, it took him four years years to get this seminary, but 40 years to get over it. <laughs> and literally, I have yeah. so many files, so many files of theology. I keep coming back to those three things. Every morning, you'll look at my journal. I pray for five to six new people God's brought in my life. I care. I meet once I've been praying for them for months. Then I call them up and say, let's go have a cup of coffee. You know, I've been praying for you. Anything I can Christian or non-Christian, it doesn't matter. People God's brought in my life. And then I care for them, genuinely care for them, show them the love of Christ. And then I begin to share with them my story, God's story, and hear their story. And it's really not complicated, mm. but it's powerful. You do that for 50 years, you'll have disciples all over the world. Yeah. Just yeah. by taking five to seven people a year that God's brought around you, people that are not around your pastor, around you. Yeah. Maybe you know, it's family, great, maybe so. it's work associates, maybe it's neighbors. You pray, care, and share, do the seven I statements of Jesus, and you'll have a movement in a few years. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. So how is disciple making a team effort, Dan? Hmm. That's another great question. 235 times in the Gospels, the term disciple is used, Mathetes. But after, after later on in the book of Acts, it, after Acts, I think it's 19, it totally disappears. And some people ask, well, if we're to make disciples of all nations, why does it disappear? Well, because I think they change the terminology to Christians or people of the way. But also, I believe the reason disciple-making New Testament has to be done in the context of the local church, because it is a team effort. The worst thing I can do for you is to impart only my life to you. Because you'll have my strength if you have those gifting, but you'll also have all my flaws. And I do not want to pass that on to you. And, and that's why a team, a, a small group, a, a group of people is by far the best way to make disciples. And I believe God's system for disciple making, New Testament, is the local church being healthy, committed to winning, building, equipping, and multiplying disciples, doing those work to have both the wine of disciple-making and the wineskin of structure, the byproduct will be 
the making of disciples and creating a movement. Great. So it is a team effort. Yep. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. So what's ahead for you? You know, you talked about kind of handing off some responsibilities. Uh, you've got all these decades behind you. What's next? Uh, I just passed a baton of Concentric, which is Global Youth Initiative, the rebranding we've done of our uh, international ministry. And I just passed a baton off that. I serve as a founder and I'm the lead team. But um, and we're doing this big gathering and next year in Turkey. So I'm I'm working to get all these country leaders there and continue to invest in our leadership level of that movement globally. Uh, But we also made the move here to San Diego, uh, mainly because my next generation of disciples are here. Um, (laughs) Call my grandkids. That's right. Uh, we have eight grandkids, and, and literally, we moved across the country because of one verse in Deuteronomy 4, 9. It says, don't forget what God's done. I was celebrating 50 years and reflecting on all that God had done. Watch your life closely. And so that's, I, I have to watch my own life closely so I finish well. And then teach these things to your children and your children's children. And when my, my wife and I were talking about that, we saw, you know, Teaching our grandkids is not an option. We had to, we poured intentionally into our kids and we need to pour intentionally in our grandkids. So we made the move here to San Diego and I can work from anywhere. So, but they're my next generation disciples, both my son-in-laws and my two daughters, they're, they're best friends. So they're planting a church together. So I'm also helping in that church. So it's really been fun while I continue to work with our international ministry. Love it. And if you got to go somewhere to be with your grandchildren, San Diego is not a bad place to have to go, huh? It's, it's not a bad place. But, you know, I have to joke about it um, because never in a thousand years as a Midwestern farm boy would I ever think I'd become a Californian. I had a gulp when I bought the California license plate because it's just yeah. like, oh, my goodness, this is a mission field, definitely. No, pig, no pigs in San Diego, I don't think, but uh, <laughs> not, not, nonetheless. So if our listeners want to engage your work and get a hold of some of your resources, where's the best place to start? Well, um, we have a number of websites. Obviously, there's if you want to see some of the latest things I've written or the studies I've done, it's at likejesus.com church. Uh, like Jesus, just L-I-K-E, Jesus dot church. Okay. And there are three resources there. We have an app and a bunch of things for lay people. Then you could also just go to danspader.com. My Israel trips are up there. Some of the things I've written are up there and some videos I produced are up there. Um, so there's a lot or sunlife.com. We have a lot of different websites. So it's probably the easiest place to get a hold of me. Sounds good. We, uh, Really appreciate you, Dan. You've been a great friend to the Christian and Missionary Alliance uh, over the years and impacted so many of our leaders. Love your passion that still flows from you freely, uh, uh, evidence of the presence of God in your life and the call of God on your life. So thanks for taking some time today to uh, talk to us. We really appreciate it. Absolutely. Well, my pleasure. And I I have so, so many dear friends in uh, CMA. So. I all across even Canada and U.S. and now international, we continue to bump into alliance uh, brothers and sisters all over the world. So it's been a joy. 
Mm-hmm. It's been a joy. Thanks, man. We really appreciate you being on. Thanks for my patience. Alan, we get to talk to some fantastic people uh, doing this uh, podcast, and Dan Spader is one of the ones at the top of that list. Yes, uh, he is. Just love his passion and that he continues to uh, be passionate about Jesus and about making disciples of Jesus. What's your uh, What's your takeaway, Alan? You know, when they talk about football coaches and baseball managers, they talk about them having coaching trees, uh, you know, where they somebody that coached under them goes on to coach an NFL team and, uh, and you know, they like to trace those things. Dan is one of those guys in the ministry world where I feel like I know a bunch of people that were influenced by his leadership, perhaps served with him in, in Sun Life or some other way, that now they're leading ministries. I think that's the mark of his faithfulness all these years in pursuing disciple making and development of leaders. And so, you know, it's from somebody like that. And I think we just were able to give our listeners a really solid episode. I agree. Hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. And share it far and wide. Do share it all over the place. So uh, next time on the Unequipping You podcast, we'll have Rob Parker. Alliance Pastor, Church Planter, and Director of Launch. We're going to keep talking about disciple-making. Hey, that's a great idea, Um, Terry. Thank you. I think all of my ideas are great. Okay, then. (laughs) Keep thinking that, Terry. Ah, Meanwhile, keep the faith. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Equipping You podcast. If you liked this episode, please consider subscribing and rating our channel. We hope you will join us for our next episode. For more information on this podcast and other ministries of the Alliance, visit equippingyou.org.